Hey y'all, welcome back to the Orcs Podcast. And today is probably going to be one of my favorite podcasts that I do in this little yearly cycle because we are going to be talking about NBA free agency, which is arguably my favorite part of the NBA cycle. Free agency is just so much fun. Um, before we get into the discussion, though, I would just like to remind everybody that if you would prefer to listen to these instead of watching them on YouTube, there will be an anchor link down below. So we're going to go ahead and get into things here. And before we do, I would just like to state that we are recording this on Thursday, August 5th at night. So if anything happens between the recording date and when this posts, we're sorry that we were unable to cover it. Um, I mentioned this specifically because most of the big dominoes have fallen except for Kawhi Leonard. He is listening to everybody's offers, even though he's probably going back to the Clippers. But, you know, why not listen to other people's offers? He could surprise the whole world. And if he does, you know, we might do a little mini video about it. I don't know. But I just wanted to get that out there that we'll be covering everybody except for Kawhi Leonard. So the way this is going to work is we're just going to go through every team and we're going to talk about the major moves that they have made. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and get things started with the Atlanta Hawks. So probably the biggest thing, and this was completely expected, uh, Trey Young got extended for the max. Of course, he led the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals, and he did get injured, but of course they took the Bucks to six games. He played amazingly. He proved that he should be a star in this league for a while, and I personally feel like the contract was completely understandable. Like, I, I, I don't know if you would tend to disagree, Connor, but I... I personally feel like it was completely expected and understandable that he ended up getting that that max. Yeah, I don't know what the max he is, but oh, I'm sorry, five years, 172.55 million. Mm, I think he is good, and I think he is a good building block for the Atlanta Hawks. But I don't know if he's that good. Yeah, I, I, I guess it's five years. Definitely. Like 172 million sounds like a lot, but it is over five years. So, I mean, that's only three million. No, it's not. How much is that per year? <laughs> All right, my my quick math is bad. Thirty four million that. per year. Yeah, that's that's a little bit too much. And see, this is what's interesting. We will cover this later. Um, Stephen Curry got extended for, I believe, it was fifty one million a season. Just to put this contract into perspective, obviously Stephen Curry's a lot better, but if he's getting fifty-one million, just for reference, for Trey getting thirty-four, because he just came off his rookie contract, right? Yes, that is the max that you can sign a rookie for after the rookie contract. So he okay. got the max amount he was able to get. I still think it's a little too much, but you know, okay. he may prove to be worth that. Yeah, at 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 this point, the the really interesting thing is going to be. We haven't covered it yet on here, but the uh, NBA has announced new rules moving forward in the NBA. There was a lot of this last year, so they wanted to cut down on it. Essentially, defense was removed from the NBA. And what I mean by that is, if you even touched an offensive player, it was a foul. So the defenders were complaining, and there were a lot of NBA players on the offensive side who may have played a little better than they should have because they would jump into the defender to get a foul, or they would purposely stick their leg out knowing they get the call. Stuff like that. <laughs> Trey Young, <laughs> James Harden. Those are the people that everybody always talks about. So 
there are new rules that will prevent that from happening. And a lot of people are predicting that while Trey Young will still be a great shooter, his foul drawing capabilities should diminish, which could be interesting for his stats moving forward. So I did just want to mention that given the conversation. The other big thing, of course, was they brought back John Collins. He did not get the max extension that he could have gotten. He got five years, $125 million. So a little bit less, not much, but a good amount less. And he is a very interesting story because there were talks of him being traded at the deadline. There were talks of him not even getting re-signed. And then in my personal opinion, he got this contract because they made the Eastern Conference Finals. Not that John Collins played bad. He definitely was one of their better players. There was a lot of like eye test, big shots and big moments that John Collins had. However, he can't really play center to do like a, to spread the floor given some of the lineups that they like to run. And yes, he can shoot the three, but when they play John Collins and Clint Capella to make up for the defensive liabilities of John Collins, then they can't keep up with the positionless basketball that the NBA is having now because they can't switch on everything. So it is going to be really interesting to see how things progress because this past year was an anomaly as given the, the pandemic and stuff. So a lot of things happened that will probably not be different, that will probably not be the same moving forward. One of which is I personally hot take feel like John Collins is not going to be worth this and may be traded down the line. That's just me. Yeah, I can easily see him being traded down the line. Like maybe a year or two into the contract, we're like, eh, you're not worth what we paid you. Get out of here. <laughs> um, only other things worth mentioning, brought back Lou Will, brought back Solomon Hill, and then slot, signed Gorgie Jang to, to add that backup center who can stretch the floor because they don't, John Collins just can't do that. Gorgie Jang is a better defender. So now moving on to the Boston Celtics. This one was interesting because they made a bunch of little mini moves. The first one being they traded for Chris Dunn from the Hawks. They just straight up didn't have a point guard um, after trading Kemba Walker. And now Chris Dunn will be that kind of because he's not a starter. So he'll probably be a backup. And so I guess maybe they'll start Marcus Smart at the one, which they haven't done in years, but should be very interesting to see how they move forward with that as well they also brought back Inez Cantor and arguably their biggest move was they used their um, trade exception to trade for Josh Richardson from the Mavericks Josh Richardson is very interesting and I'm going to be saying this a lot he was an amazing 3 and D player two years ago then last year in the anomaly year played like utter trash so he basically was traded for nothing because the Mavericks just wanted to get off that contract and is somebody who personally I feel like is going to have a bounce back year. I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star or anything, but I, I feel like he will give the Celtics very solid rotational minutes. Um, <laughs> so it was interesting that they were able to get him for essentially nothing. And the Celtics don't have depth at this point. They have what I would say mishandled their their organization over the past couple of years with the amount of assets and whatnot they have. But that's a discussion for another time. Either way, they add good depth in my personal opinion, but that's really the only moves that they made. If I didn't say they also brought back Inez Cantor, who's a center that's great on offense, but can't play defense. And they basically couldn't use him in the playoffs at all last year. So I, you know, that kind of is a meaningless signing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
I think Enos Cantor is overrated, even in his own eyes. I think he's better. Than, I think he thinks he's a lot better than what he is. <laughs> I, nothing really is like, oh yeah, Celtics did something. It's just like, eh, the Celtics did something, you know? Yes, their their big move came during the draft where they traded for Al Horford. Um, that one we did already cover, so that's the only reason why I didn't mention it. <laughs> Moving on to the Brooklyn Nets. And I will say that y'all have probably noticed already that I am only mentioning the trades with the players that apply to that specific team. That way we don't cover players twice. So there's a certain person who got traded from the Nets that I'm not going to cover until later when we talk about that team. As far as what the Nets actually did, pretty much their biggest moves involved bringing back Blake Griffin. He played amazingly for them. Uh... As everybody knows by now, he memed the crap out of the Pistons, made them think he was trash. They bought him out, and then the guy who hadn't dunked in two years, first play of the game when he's playing for the Nets is a lob where he posterized. Very fun. Uh, he was, there was a lot of injuries, and he pretty much stepped up when that happened. So amazing job. They brought him back one year, 2.64 million. You know, he's basically at the point where he has enough money. He just wants a ring. Great for them. They brought in James Johnson, who's going to be that big old body down low. For those who don't know, I'm pretty sure he's a kickboxer in his spare time. Something that involves fighting other people. That's how he spends his offseason. Um, he's one of those guys who, like, if this were the 80s, he probably would have punched everybody's face in by now. And then lastly... He would have kicked them. Kickboxing. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. He would have kicked everybody's face in by now. And then lastly, and arguably the biggest non-expected one, they brought in Patrick Mills to be their point guard off the bench when they're sitting Kyrie, Harden, whatever. Anybody who's been watching the Olympics or has ever watched a Spurs game over the past 10 years knows that Patty Mills is an amazing veteran, a great shooter, a spark plug off the bench, amazing pickup for the Nets in my personal opinion. And an Australian, right? Yeah. Yes, he yeah. is Australian. He was essentially leading the Australian team. Of course, they fell to the U.S. today, but Patty Mills gave it his all. Well, they probably had Del Dova, too. <laughs> That's true. If I'm not mistaken, Del Vadova is still playing for them. Yes. All right, so moving on to Charlotte. This is one that's interesting because they are a team that essentially has done nothing in free agency except for lose players. So a lot of players you'll, will, you'll men you will hear mentioned later, you're like, huh. 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 So Charlotte's rotation's getting really small. But it makes sense. They're a team who has a lot of very young players who essentially had to pick who are we going to keep because we like because we're going to have to pay. You can't keep everybody. It's completely understandable. Their only big move was bringing in this isn't really a big move. Their only move was bringing in Ish Smith to be to play backup point guard behind LaMelo. Cool veteran who ironically for people who probably didn't know because Nobody watched the Wizards last year since they were pretty much also trash. Um, wait, that sounds bad. The Hornets were actually pretty... Okay, that's bad because the Wizards beat them in the play-in tournament. The Wizards were bad the whole year, then got good at the very end in like a shock. The Hornets were pretty much good all year and surprised people because they were supposed to be bad. So that's what I was attempting to say. Um, Ish Smith was an extremely effective efficient scorer which is weird because he's never been that in his career and i don't know if it was scott brooks's system but in theory the hornets did get a guy who's going to be able to run their offense when Lamelo's on the floor sorry on the bench could or be he could be a number two what do you mean by number two 
shooting guard. Oh, yeah, that's – I mean, in theory, he will play one because I – they'll either have LaMelo or Terry Rozier at shooting guard. I wouldn't True. think. But that's, either way, that's, he doesn't have to be just the guy to back up Melo. I guess that was my main point. Yes, they should run a nice three-guard rotation. And in theory, Scott Brooks, for some stupid reason, had uh, instances where he had a three-guard lineup, literally three-point guards, of running Westbrook, Smith, and Raul Neto together. So it can be done. It's not. I don't know if it's the smartest idea, but it can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so here we go. The one that everybody's probably been waiting for. We get to the Chicago Bulls, um, who have pretty much been at least in my personal opinion, the biggest, at least free agency players. Of course, as far as whole offseason, you're probably saying the Lakers, but for free agency, first and foremost, they they tr- do a sign and trade to get Lonzo Ball to now play their point guard position. Um, it was very, it was rumored for an extremely long time that Lonzo Ball was interested in the Bulls and they were interested in him and they were going to try and get him. The interesting thing is... Um, that he agreed to four years, 85 million, which is really not that bad for Lonzo Ball. It is about uh, 21 mil a year. And the Pelicans didn't match. And as you'll see later, the point guard replacement they got was pretty much the same as far as pricing. And I would argue uh, efficiency to the team. But we can we can cover that later with the Pelicans. But it's... Uh, Sticking with the Bulls, they finally get the point guard they've been looking for. This is a no offense to Kobe White. He's fine, but he's going to be way better off the bench. And they now have a facilitator who can also defend because they don't have defense and shoot the three. He is uh, last year. I want to say he shot over 40 percent. Yeah, last year they have 38 percent. He shot 38 percent, which is really good from the three. They had the point guard that they were looking for, but he just got injured a lot. Yes, Derek Rose reference. All the Chicago Bulls fans are crying now. <laughs> MVP, there goes his knee. <laughs> I that is great. That is amazing. Um. So yeah, and then uh, on the same day, uh, reported almost an hour later, was they signed Alex Caruso for four years, thirty-seven million. Uh, you know, that one's a little more interesting, especially because, once again, the Lakers did not match that contract. And when we get to later on, when we see the moves the Lakers made, it is interesting that they didn't bring back arguably their most consistent player throughout all the injuries, throughout the ups and downs of the veterans and whatnot. Even in the championship run, Caruso was the guy who LeBron could always rely on. And apparently it was reported the Lakers weren't even interested in signing him, let alone matching the deal that he got. Um, about $9 million a year does not really seem that bad to me, especially given the contracts, especially the, that there were other contracts given to shooting guards of the same quality that were much higher. Um, that's just an interesting thing of note. So he will definitely come off the bench for them in their shooting guard rotation. And now the Bulls get the meme king because it seems like NBA Twitter just loves the crap out of Alex Caruso. Yeah, Last- white chocolate. <laughs> La- lastly, and... The most what? Uh, at least, actually, that's I shouldn't say at least. The most what signing of free agency was the Bulls got a sign-in trade for DeMar DeRozan. They sent the Spurs, Thaddeus Young, Alfru Camino, and a first-round pick. I should have mentioned they sent a first-round pick to the Pelicans to get Lonzo Ball. 
And they also sent Tomas Sedaransky and Garrett Temple. So in theory, with both of these trades, they traded all of their depth and uh, two future firsts. I apologize. I misspoke. They sent a second for Lonzo. Um, they, but they did send a first for DeMar. And this is where things get interesting. Because in theory, if you just think about their starting lineup on paper, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams, and Nikola Vucevic. If this is a game of 2K, that's a championship team. However, in real life, they're probably going to make the playoffs. I hope for Bulls fans they do because this team has been stuck in purgatory. However, they are all offense, and there's no way that Lonzo and Patrick Williams can like hold the def defense when that full lineup is on the, the floor. So it's going to be like a Nets kind of thing where they basically have to outscore everybody, which could happen, but... Uh, it is, it is just really interesting to think about. It's, it seems like, I believe his name is Carney Chauvas. He's the new GM. Um, he basically threw spaghetti at the wall and was hoping some of it stuck. He, ba he threw balls to the wall, got the players that he wanted, got the good guys, whatever, and he'll hope that they just figure out the fit, which is fine. I mean, I don't, I'm not a Bulls fan, so I'm not, I'm not attached. Like, I don't, if it fails, I won't necessarily care, but I know a lot of Bulls fans are really upset like that one guy literally said, I, I kind of stole that that quote, one guy literally said he threw spaghetti at the wall and hope it stuck. Um, the thing I do want to point out, though, in defense of DeMar DeRozan, nobody watches the Spurs, as I mentioned earlier. DeMar DeRozan was their all-star. He was voted the biggest all-star snub last year. He averaged 20 plus points a game we know he's always been a scorer even in his time with the raptors he just always fell flat in the playoffs and the thing that makes him the most interesting is he doesn't shoot threes but he was literally the best mid-range shooter in the nba last year um and as we saw in the playoffs someone like devin booker who was also an amazing mid-range shooter can make that work, can make that effective, and can make that turn into winning. The question is, will Billy Donovan make that happen? That's the coach of the Bulls, for those who don't know. Um, so the other interesting thing is, he was never a playmaker in Toronto. Once he got into Popovich's system, he averaged seven assists last year, which is really, really good for a small forward. Um, I should just say forward in general. He, he played power forward mostly for them, but he was always a small forward earlier in his career, so that's just why I said that. Um, so in theory, even though he can't shoot threes, so he's not going to just kind of sit in the corner, if they make him the main playmaker on some plays, of course, because I would assume the ball would still be in Levine and Ball's hands at certain points, he can just do what he does, get in the, get inside the paint, work, work within like 20 feet if nothing's there, pass the ball around, everybody else around him can shoot. So it should be really interesting to at least watch the last thing worth mentioning is this has not, of course, happened yet, but Lowry Markinen is a free agent that they still have who was their biggest free agent going into this free agency period. No one's really shown him interest, and they haven't been talking about him in trades, so they're thinking he's just going to re-sign on the qualifying offer. He wants a shit ton of money that they don't want to pay him. Maybe keep your eye on Larry Marketing. We'll probably talk about that a little more later when we talk about the free agents still left, but, you know, worth mentioning. All right, moving on to Cleveland. Only big thing that they did was they traded away Ricky Rubio to free up space so that way they could re-sign Jared Allen. Five years, $100 million. $20 million a year for Jared Allen is very, very good. However, this becomes interesting because their third overall pick was Evan Mobley, who was the best center in this past draft, 
we would assume, like by Cleveland picking him, everybody assumed they were going to trade Jared Allen because he was their center and they can't just have a log jam down there. I don't know if they're going to make Evan Mobley play power forward and try and have him stretch the floor. He does have some shooting ability, but I don't know if it's at that level. He's also seven feet. Jared Allen is a great paint defender guy who can shoot a little. Like, it's weird. They're basically doing like a like an 80s Rockets with like Ralph Sampson and Hakeem Olajuwon, and I don't know if it's going to work, but should be interesting. That's pretty much all Cleveland did. They just brought back their their free agent center. I mean, it's Cleveland. I mean, no LeBron, no champ. <laughs> uh, and it's still up in the air on if they are going to be trading Colin Sexton. That's been like the biggest rumor, but yeah, we'll we'll just see what happens. Moving on to Dallas, uh, they actually did do a few things. Of course, I mentioned earlier, they offloaded Josh Richardson contract, which allowed them to do what I'm about to mention. They brought back Tim Hardaway Jr. Four years, $74 million. Just let that sink in for a second. He is not a bad player, don't get me wrong. He also has definitely stepped up for the Mavericks, but he is the king of one game dropping five points, the next game dropping 30 points. And I know for sure that if they were able to get somebody that would be more consistent for Luka, they would have done it. This just signifies to me that people didn't want to go to the Mavericks. And what makes it even more interesting is Luka is about to sign the same deal that Trey Young just got. And he's going to completely lock up the cap space of the Mavericks. It's just inevitable. That's why they were trying to get Giannis this offseason. Of course, it didn't end up working. But what makes this interesting is everybody said that they should go out and sign like a DeMar DeRozan just so that way they could trade them at some point down the line to try and get something that makes more sense next to Luka. I don't know if you're going to be able to trade Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract, and that's a lot of money that you're going to have on your books. It's going to make it hard to fill out the roster next to Luka because they're going to try and win with Luka. That's like the end goal. They also bring in Reggie Bullock. Three-year, $30.5 million contract. He is an amazing shooter. He, they're just trying to get Luka more shooting. What's interesting is they don't really have amazing defenders. So in a similar kind of stint to the Bulls, but like not really, they're also kind of all offense with not much defense. Um, and then they brought back Boban Marjanovic. And they brought in... Okay, sorry. I sh- they brought in Sterling Brown, who's an okay defender, but not... It's not like they went out and got like P.J. Tucker or Nicola Batum. But anyway, that's pretty much all that they did. But the interesting one is bringing back Tim Hardaway Jr. on such a massive contract. I mean, eh. Doesn't excite me, doesn't bore me. It's just kind of an eh thing for me. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. It, uh, there, were just, there were just some people that weren't necessarily big players, which is expected. There was a, a down cap. Uh, or sorry, a down the salary cap was down this year for obvious reasons. There were only a few teams with with cap space, so you know it's understandable. Um, moving on to the Denver Nuggets, all they did was they brought back Jamichael Green, they brought back Austin Rivers, they brought back Will Barton. That's all of their really good bench depth that they had in the playoffs. They all played very well, and then the big one they brought in Jeff Green. They stole Jeff Green from the Nets. 
I know Jeff Green is, of course, getting up there, but he has solidified his status as that veteran who, when you least expect it, is going to drop 30 points to make sure that your team wins the game. The amount of big games he had for the Nets was just insane. And he got two years, $10 million. I, I can't believe the Nets could not offer that or more, which is really weird that they wouldn't. Anyway, moral of the story, I think Denver got a steal in getting Jeff Green. Of course, he is super old at this point. He could finally be at that year where he regresses. But assuming that he doesn't, really great pickup for Denver. I don't know if I share the same sentiment with you, but okay. (laughs) Um, Okay, moving on to Detroit. The Pistons were a team with a bunch of money that, of course, were not going to get any big free agents. So they did what they could. They traded away Mason Plumley to Charlotte, got off of his contract, and in their place signed Kelly. In his place signed Kelly Olynyk. In he was part of the Victor Oladipo trade that sent him to the Rockets last year, and he ended up playing really well for the Rockets. Of course, since they were not trying to win, Olynyk got a lot of playing time and could prove that he's that like veteran stretch big that can't play defense, but on a team that's not trying to win the championship, that doesn't really matter. Should be fun for Cade to kick it to him in the corner. They re-signed Corey Joseph to back up Cade Cunningham. They brought in Trey Lyles from the Spurs. And then they also re-signed Saban Lee, which is very nice. Last year, pre-Cade, of course, he was their starting point guard. He's, I believe, a third-year player, I guess. He's either going into his second or third year. He showed some really good sparks as a young guy. That's pretty much all the Pistons have at this point, is they have a couple young guys that show promise, and they're hoping that that just you know, that it works, that it, that it plays out well. So moving on to the Golden State Warriors, they really only made two moves. They signed Otto Porter Jr. They signed him for the minimum, which is great if he stays healthy. Otto Porter is an amazing NBA player who can never stay on the court. I know this from watching Wizards games. <laughs> he is amazing when he's on the court. He's perfect 3 and D. He can defend multiple positions, but that man has bones of like dust i just i don't get it he he will never ever be on the court it it when you most need when you need him most it's it's really sad i really hope that he can finally stay healthy but if he works out for the if he stays healthy great pickup for the warriors and then they signed nemanja bialitska i believe is how you're supposed to pronounce his name and he was from the heat he's just if people remember Irsan Ilyasova, he's that. He's like 6'10 and sits in the corner and shoots threes very well, which is perfect because it's the Warriors. And then, of course, I mentioned already they re-signed Stephen Curry for 53-ish mil a year. <laughs> for how many years? For four years. He's either 32 or 33, so he basically just said, I'm retiring a Warrior, which we all expected. Yeah. Moving on to the Houston Rockets, they signed all of their rookies, and when I say all, I mean all. Normally, some second-round guys don't actually end up getting signed. They signed everybody. Of course, they're allowed to. They're really bad and are going to want to play their young guys. They brought back David Nwaba, who is another guy who, when he can be on the floor, is really solid. Um, He is not as injury-prone as Porter, but he. I want to say they said he's only played like 50 games in the past two seasons. Hopefully, he stays healthy, and then... In their biggest move, they traded cash to the Bulls for Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice is, I want to say he's 6'8". He is a center who has a three-point shot. It's not a great three-point shot, but he can shoot and make them. 
if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> and he's pretty much just the hustle athleticism guy who should be fun for Jalen Green and Kevin Porter, and he's going to bring energy. But it's, you know, t- take that for what you will. He's also on the older side because he, even though he's hasn't been in the league for that young, long, he was a foreign player, so he came in late. So it's one of those situations. And since he relies so heavy on athleticism, it is interesting because he signed four-year, 36 mil. I would assume by year three at least, he that will be a bad contract because his athleticism will probably have completely fallen off the face of the planet. All right, moving on to Indiana. Their only big signing was they brought back TJ McCoddle and they also signed Torrey Craig away from the Suns. I am still a huge fan of Torrey Craig. Um, he is, I know, at least 30, so he is older, but he is a veteran. He plays 3 and amazingly. People probably never knew who he was until the finals this year because he was great for the Suns. Um, he had been on the Nuggets. He was great there, too. He, it's ironic because he was on the Bucks at the beginning of the year and then got traded to the Suns, so he was going to get a ring either way, <laughs> which was kind of <laughs> great. Lo- love Torrey Craig. Um, so, yeah, the, the Pacers got a good depth guy. Moving on to the Los Angeles Clippers, the first of the L.A. teams. This is where it gets interesting because they're pretty much just holding out their cap to see what happens with Kawhi Leonard. So all they've really done is they brought back Nikola Batum, who was their second biggest free agent. Serge Ibaka exercised his option, so he was not a free agent. And he did that because he's injured, so he probably wasn't going to get the money he wanted on the open market. And he just gets to stay in-house with the Clippers. Uh, Nicholas Batum is old, and he, but he's still really good. He's a good 3 and D guy. For people who were, are watching the Olympics, he just had the game-saving block to send France to play the U.S. in the gold medal game, and he was amazing. Ironically, at the center position for the Clippers this past playoff run, they made it to the Western Conference Finals. They didn't have Serge Ibaka, so when Zubac was out, Nikola was playing center, which is crazy, but he did great. Okay, here comes the one that everybody was waiting for past the Bulls, of course. Because <laughs> we've got the L.A. Lakers. At the beginning of this, technically during the draft, because we mentioned it in our draft, our draft podcast, they traded for Russell Westbrook. How did they trade for Russell Westbrook? By trading away their whole team. So they had to fill some spots. Here we go, Connor. Get ready. Because we're basically, as people are now calling it, we're dealing with the Los Angeles retirement home. They signed Dwight Howard to a minimum. Wayne Ellington to a minimum, Kent Bazemore to a minimum, Trevor Ariza to a minimum, Carmelo Anthony to a minimum, Malik Monk to a minimum, Kendrick Nunn to a minimum. Actually, that one's technically, I believe that one is the... Um, one penny the over a minimum. Yeah, a little bit over a minimum. And then Taylor Horton Tucker, they ended up, be, they were able to pay him because he was a restricted free agent for them. So they, pay, they paid him basically 10 mil a year for three seasons. Um, <laughs> the beginning of this free agency period was, hmm, we have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook playing together. That floor spacing is terrible. What are they going to do? So they go sign some of the best free, a- free agent shooters. Malik Monk, who was amazingly for sh- amazing at shooting for the Hornets last year. However, in a locker room that also featured Devontae Graham, LaMelo Ball, and Terry Rozier, he didn't get as much playing time as he probably wanted. He did do well in the playing time he had. 
Now he's probably going to get a ring. I'm not saying the Lakers are going to win, but... You, you just uh, did, though. <laughs> they're going to get a ring, but they're not. That's, that's what you just said. I personally still feel like if everybody's healthy, it's the Nets. However, I've, I feel like as an NBA fan at this point, I just can't count out LeBron. Like, anything can happen. It's, it's probably going to be either Lakers or the Nets. I feel like that's where everybody is at this point. Then... <laughs> They go and get Carmelo Anthony, who has essentially revived his career as the three-point shooter who just kind of, I don't want to say stands in the corner because he still moves, he still does his little step-in mid-range, he still does his little turnaround fadeaways, like he's still a good offensive guy, but as since he's no longer the number one option, he's really good off ball. And it took him about a season and a half, sorry Thunder and Rockets, but once he got to Portland, Boom. Numbers were great. He's going to be coming off the bench most likely and should be great offense for the Lakers. Of course, they go and get Trevor Reza, Kent Bazemore, both definitely older, still great shooters. Also, fine defenders, which is something that they need because defense is great. They were one of the best defensive teams last year. And by trading away all of their guys, it's good to know that they're still going to be able to play defense. Then they go and get Wayne Ellington, who ironically if people can believe this because he's been in the league for what feels like 20 seasons at this point he's never been in the playoffs so nobody he's always been like a jj he's he's like a poor man's jj reddick he's a really good three-point shooter but was never good enough if that makes sense and was always kind of on the bad teams could should be cool to see him finally get a chance to to play in the playoffs and then lastly of course dwight howard he won the championship with them as their starting center. He decided to use that to get some money in Philly. Didn't work out. Came back home wanting to get another ring, most likely. Most probably. <laughs> That's not a word. Probably, most likely. <laughs> I don't want to say LeBron is washed up. Because I, I do still think he can do what other people can't. But I do think it is becoming a little towards the end of it. And... He can't really do what he used to be able to do. Like, he took the the Cavaliers all the way when he was a rookie or a second or third year. I can't remember what year it was. But after that, he really hasn't, you know, done it by himself, and I think he's still trying to do that. Especially in the recent years. Yeah, he went in 07, so that would have been his fourth year, was when he went okay. to the finals. Okay, so yeah. I was a little off, but... I think he's still trying to do that. And he didn't really do it with Cleveland, but he did help. Uh, not like the fourth year, but the 14th year. I know it's not the 14th year. It may be, but I don't think it was. Anyways, <laughs> he he still had, you know, Kyrie Irving, probably one of the best point guards in the NBA. He had Kevin Love, probably one of the best power forwards of the 2010s and, you know, Probably wasn't as peak when he won, but he was still, you know, pretty decent. So, I think building around LeBron kind of needs to be not the first plan anymore for the Lakers. Yeah, the, I by, think is what they're doing. Yes, by trading everybody away, and it's not like they traded away their young guys. They pretty much just let their young guys walk. But by except for Taylor Horton Tucker, of course, they're basically saying. We have AD for when LeBron finally retires, but until then, we are going wholeheartedly into let's try and win a championship right here, right now. And you are correct. 
though we have not seen it yet, eventually LeBron has to decline, right? And this is going to be terrible because we're probably going to be saying this like people have been saying for Brady for the past few years. He's got to decline yeah. eventually, right? <laughs> yeah. Thing is, Brady's still been dominant, winning, winning bowls, you know. The same he was winning back when he wasn't, you know, oh, he's washed up now. Or LeBron, I don't think he really has been, you know. Well, he won the 2020 championship, and he was the finals MVP. Hey, Julian Edelman was the Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> Does that mean Julian Edelman is the best NFL player in history? Potentially? <laughs> Top three at least? No. No. <laughs> I've never heard anybody do that ever. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You can't compare awards to people. You have to look at how they want. I'm, LeBron is, you know, it's probably well deserving of that, but like, you can't just be like, yeah, he won that. Oh, I was just letting you know that he did win since you were mentioning Brady won. Oh, that yeah. was all I was doing. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. That. <laughs> Yes. Uh, He's still one of the greatest players in the NBA right now. Don't get me wrong, but I do think it is start to making him plan B for the Lakers. If you don't, you're just wasting a bunch of money. Well, what we saw last year was if Anthony Davis gets injured, the Suns essentially, I mean, sorry, the Lakers essentially got torched. They needed AD, so that's saying something. Although, I... I don't know. Now I'm going to sound like a LeBron hater. Like like Connor said, it's not like he's not one of the greatest to ever do it. But we got to accept the fact that he is getting older and it's, he's not Miami Heat LeBron anymore. Yeah. Speaking of Miami Heat LeBron, I am skipping the Memphis Grizzlies. They did nothing except for the draft night. All the Grizzlies did was that draft night trade we already covered. But moving on to the Miami Heat, they also had an extremely good free agency. First off, and this is going to be interesting. I want to make sure I get all the pieces right. So, they, first off, they signed Jimmy Butler to a four-year, $186.5 million contract extension, which will, is just a lot, a shit ton of money for Jimmy Butler. Not that he doesn't deserve it. However, the argument is, he did help lead the Heat to a finals appearance in 2020, and he played extremely well doing so. Last year, he had a great season, and then in that first play, in the first round playoffs, of course, they got swept by the Bucks, and it felt like Jimmy Butler took a freaking plane ticket to Puerto Rico and wasn't even in the games. So, a lot of people, as far as recency bias is concerned, are like, "Why the heck did Jimmy Butler get just get this?" We do have to understand that he is still a good player and had just like a bad series. Hopefully, that was an anomaly. I don't know. That's why I was saying this is the interesting conversation because you. It depends upon which, if you're still a Jimmy Butler believer, if you think he's washed at this point, I don't know. Um, but they did that because they traded for Kyle Lowry, also an older player, but uh, he was the best point guard on the market and they were able to trade for him. They sent Goran Dragic and Precious Achua to the Raptors, which we will cover later because that's big for the Raptors. So they get Kyle Lowry. Then... They bring back Duncan Robinson. They sign Dwayne Dedman. They sign PJ Tucker. They sign Markeith Morris. And they sign Victor Oladipo. Sorry, they re-sign Victor Oladipo. They have essentially said, we are making a push for the playoffs for the next two seasons until our really old guys fall off a cliff. 
And we're going to make sure that we have as much offense and as much defense as physically possible. Look out East, here we come. Now, I'm not saying the Heat are going to be able to do anything past, let's just say, second round. But they definitely put themselves in a position, and it feels like last year after 2020, they were like, hey, we just made the finals, you know, we're probably going to get there again. Then after that shock in the first round, they were like, nope. Pat Riley was just like, I don't care. I don't care about my young guys. I don't care about anybody else. Everybody is going to get cut, traded, whatever. We're going to make sure that we fill out this roster with proven winners and we are going to push because we need it. Very, very interesting moves for the Heat. The Kyle Lowry thing didn't necessarily come out of nowhere because they were talking about it about a week before it happened. But the Heat didn't have cap space. So much like how they got Jimmy Butler two seasons ago, out of nowhere, they get Kyle Lowry. Pat Riley again, working magic with the salary cap. Go, Connor. (laughs) I don't have anything. Oh, okay. (laughs) I guess I would be rude if I wasn't also saying that P.J. Tucker just won a ring and was an extremely important part of that Bucks process. So the fact that the Bucks lost him is just crazy. And the contract was two years, 15 million. It's not like the Bucks couldn't have also offered them that, but Mark Lazary didn't want to pay the luxury tax. That's really all it boils down to. He straight up went on record saying, I'm sorry, I don't want to pay. And it sucks because Giannis basically signed the Supermax. So that way, and, and with the... With the trust from Lazary, who was like, if you sign it, I promise we'll make sure that you have a championship roster around you for your tenure here. They did it. They won a ring. And then Lazary's like, nah, I don't want to pay. I'm sorry. I don't know why. That's just kind of really sucky. I hope PJ Tucker, I'm glad he got a ring. I hope he does great. I'm sure he'll do great with the Heat, but it's kind of sad for Giannis. It's just worth mentioning that. Speaking of the Milwaukee Bucks, that is who is next on the list. So the Milwaukee Bucks replace P.J. Tucker with Semi Ojale. Semi Ojale is basically a poor man's P.J. Tucker at this point. He's a hell of a lot younger, and but he's essentially, if P.J. Tucker is an 11 in intensity, Semi's like a 6. P.J.'s defense is a 10, Semi's is like a 5. I shouldn't say 5. He's like a 6 or 7. I'm just going to keep saying 6. And then I will say Semi Ojale is probably a better shooter then PJ, PJ really only has that little uh, corner three that he likes to hit. And Semi's also way more willing to shoot. So take that for what you will. Then they re-sign Bobby Portis. That's a fan signing if I've ever seen one. Not that he didn't play well, but the fans love the crap out of Portis. They love his energy. He just was huge for them in the playoffs and in the finals. He won a ring. They brought him back. Awesome. Good job for Bobby. Um Then they bring in Rodney Hood to have some scoring off the bench, and they bring in George Hill to add that 3 and D in their guard position, backing up who I will assume would be Drew Holiday starting at the point guard position. Really great signings. I'm still upset they didn't bring back P.J. Tucker, but maybe they know something we don't. He is 36. He might decline his energy. He might finally be winded, whatever. So Semi Ojale is a younger version. Maybe he can grow to be like P.J. Tucker. Really, it's all just, these are the reigning champs. Were these enough moves to allow them to compete again next year? On the surface, I would say yes, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Rodney Hood's another guy who can't really seem to stay healthy, but when he is healthy, great scorer. Wonderful scorer. I'm skipping the Minnesota Timberwolves. They really were just a salary dump team. They ended up acquiring 
Ricky Rubio, and that was about it. So, moving on to the New Orleans Pelicans, as mentioned earlier, they did let Lonzo Ball go, and in doing so, they got Tomas Sadoransky, and they... It was like a double sign-in trade. They signed Garrett Temple for three years. Garrett Temple is a veteran 3-and-D guy is really the good way. He's Wayne Ellington, but can also play defense. Garrett Temple has always been a good shooter, but has never really been put in a position to win. Um, He's just been that veteran journeyman role player. Should be solid. That one's kind of just, it was in the trade. Then they got Tomas, and then their biggest signing, Devontae Graham, was who they ended up replacing... uh, Lonzo Ball with. Devontae Graham, of course, on the Hornets last year. Devontae Graham is a wonderful story. However, um, this is interesting because I don't think he fits well next to Zion, and I would assume that at this point they're going to try and build around Zion like they did with Jonas Valanciunas. I could totally eat my words here, but I'm going to make a guess. I'm going to make a proposition not a proposition i'm gonna i'll just say make i'm gonna make a guess that Devonte graham will not have the same scoring efficiency as he did on the hornets on the hornets even with lamello ball especially because lamello ball is a great passer Devonte graham was allowed to basically shoot as much as he wanted to in the positions where he wanted to and it just worked now he's being put on a team where Zion is the focus. Brandon Ingram is the one who has the ball in his hands the most. And Devontae is going to have to play off ball in set shots. And I know that sounds weird to say, but his thing is that he does great with the ball in his hands, creating for himself, uh, uh, basically hitting really weird contested shots. So, like, I'm sure he can still do fine if he's taking a more off ball role. However, we haven't seen it yet. And because of his height, that generally doesn't tend to translate well when you switch from creating your own shot to off ball. Because when you create your own shot, you can work around the height. But if you're just standing in the corner, you have to hope that the defender doesn't close out fast enough. And I'd be curious to know if he just shoots and gets blocked a lot. His confidence goes away. Like, I'm just very curious to see how the Devontae Graham signing works. I really would have kept Lonzo Ball if I was the Pelicans. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I said this in the last podcast, but the Pelicans are just in a constant state of going, that's a good player, let's get him. Eh, let's get rid of him. Hey, let's get him, and eh, let's get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, I really, I, Zion's extremely fun to watch, and I'm sure people will keep watching New Orleans just so that way they can watch Zion, but I, I can't help but feel like they're, this is AD all over again, and they're just not going to give Zion a good enough squad to do anything with. Moving on to the Knicks, who essentially had an offseason, I don't want to say similar to the Lakers, but they had a lot of free spots that they just decided to, they brought back a lot of guys, but they did have a lot of space. So the major ones worth mentioning are they brought back Alec Burks, they brought back Nerlens Noel, they brought back Derrick Rose, they brought back Taj Gibson, and they signed Julius Randle to an extension. Those were all major rotational guys for the Knicks last year in the playoffs. They were the four seed. Trey Young and the Hawks essentially exposed them. But, you know, assuming you can replicate the same output as you did last year, nice to bring back your guys. Then 
the big signing, they got Evan Fournier. They stole him away from the Celtics. I'm sure that feels great. Of course, Celtics and Knicks are rivals. Once again, if you've been watching the Olympics, Evan Fournier is a shooting beast. That should be very nice for, I don't want to say a Knicks squad that struggles with shooting because they can shoot, but they don't have a volume shooter like Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier on any given night, if he decides to, could literally give you 30 to 40 just like that. Now, of course, there should there will be some nights where he's just not hitting or for some weird reason, Tom Thibodeau decides not to utilize his strengths. But that should be amazing for the Knicks moving forward. Okay, real quick, um, I just realized this. It has not updated on the website. So I am skipping OKC and moving on to Orlando. OKC essentially was just a destination to get more picks and take on bad salary. However, they reached a buyout with Kemba Walker, and Kemba Walker signed with the Knicks. So probably should go ahead and talk about that real quick. This is going to be very interesting because we all probably assumed Derrick Rose would come off the bench. Even though he was their best player in the playoffs, he just does better coming off the bench as a sixth man. He almost won sixth man of the year. That's kind of where he's at at this point. He is the big scorer off the bench. So Kemba Walker's starting. As people probably know, Kemba Walker has been an all-star. He's been a good player. Once he got to the Celtics, he had a really bad knee injury that apparently had been there and he had refused to operate on it it's unclear on if the Hornets said he could play through it or if he was like I'll just play through it but once he went to the Celtics it got bad enough to where they had to operate and then when he came back he is a player because of his height who literally has a jump shot he jumps really high off the ground. He is known for having one of the nastiest step backs because he hops back like five feet before he shoots. And because of the way that his knee was, he could not do that effectively in the slightest. It felt like every shot was just slightly too short because he couldn't get the elevation he was used to. Now, I really hope that he can regain his Kemba Walker-ness, quote-unquote, on the Knicks just because he's very fun to watch and you never want to see a guy his career get derailed by injuries. But this is a complete low-risk, high-reward move for the Knicks because they signed him for nothing. It was like five mil a season. Or sorry, it was five mil for one year. And um, in theory, if they get the old Kemba Walker back, then they just got a second all-star next to Julius Randle. Moving on, I'm also going to skip Orlando. They also pretty much did nothing except for a few trades here or there that was kind of just maneuvering cap. Uh, moving on to Philly, they bring back Danny Green, two years, $20 million. Great 3 and D guy. Everybody knows Danny Green. He's got three championships at this point. Two? Two. My apologies. He was in three finals, but only has two. Um, and he was injured in the playoffs last year. A lot of people are attributing the Game 7 collapse to them not having Danny Green. Of course, Ben Simmons still choked the ball. Like, everybody has seen that clip of him giving up an open layup because he didn't want to get fouled. However, having Danny Green, that extra defense, that extra shooting, would have been very nice, and it's great to have him back. And then the bigger signing, Andre Drummond is there on a minimum to back up Joel Embiid. It's hilarious that he went from the centerpiece of the Pistons getting a shit ton of money to being the empty stats rebounds guy who got bought out went to the Lakers, it didn't work out, 
They didn't want him back. They picked Dwight, and now Drummond is signing a minimum deal to back up Embiid. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Um, <laughs> people still probably remember the scenes, sorry, the clips from the Cavs last year where Drummond was so done that he started playing point guard and he started shooting threes. And ironically, <laughs> in some situations, he actually wasn't that bad with the ball in his hands. But of course, he should never be doing that in a real setting. All right, moving on to the Phoenix Suns, the team that lost in the playoff in the finals. Their big free agent, Chris Paul, they bring him back on a four-year, $120 million deal. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's $30 million a year for a point guard who will who is 36, and this contract will end when he's 40. However, when you look deeper into the contract, he's only 75 mil of it is guaranteed. The third year is partially guaranteed, and the fourth year is a team option. So they're technically only locked into him for two more years at the least, I should say. Um, so, you know, not not as bad as it seems on the front, but also Chris Paul was the reason why they were there. He was the veteran leadership. He was the one who held the offense together. He was the one who got the buckets when they needed him to. He was really just the heart and soul. There's a reason why he was in MVP conversations. He was the heart and soul of that team. He was the reason why this, why they were the second best team in the West and why they made the play the finals so they have to bring him back arguably the bigger signing because this is one that they we thought that they wouldn't be able to by bringing back chris paul they bring back cameron Payne, three years 19 million this is very interesting because cameron Payne played so well that people thought he could have gotten starter point guard money on a different team but clearly they convinced him to just run it back take the pay cut for all we know he didn't have that market but it, a lot of people thought that he would um, and now he's back. So they, they kept both of their guards. Of course, they still have Devin Booker. So the guard rotation's awesome. And then they re-signed Frank Kaminsky. They re-signed Abdel Nader. And then the one thing they actually needed, other than bringing back guys that were on the championship or the finals roster, was when DeAndre Ayton was getting in foul trouble because of Giannis, they did not have a center who could play meaningful defensive minutes. That's, I should say, because Frank can't defend. So they get JaVale McGee, who, statistically speaking, was the best pick-and-roll big man on for, in, the mar in the free agent market, which is exactly what they would need. Set the pick, allow Devin Booker to get that mid-range. If it's not there, he lobs it up, JaVale slams it, slams it down. I can almost guarantee you that's going to be a play we see a million times this, this season. Moving on to the... Portland Trailblazers. This is a team that was in the news very early because we don't know if they're trading Damian Lillard. We don't know if, or sorry, we do know they're trying to move CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons, but the Sixers aren't biting. So what do they do while they can't do anything? Um, they don't have any cap and they told Damian Lillard, hey, don't request a trade. We promise that we'll surround you with quality players. Who do they sign? Ben McLemore, Tony Snell, and Cody Zeller. I'm not saying any of these guys are bad. But considering but the you good, podcast <laughs> 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 over. Jacob's dead. <laughs> considering the players who took these same minimum deals in other places, like what? 
Why, why are you going to do this today, man? I don't know. I just, that, that's been the biggest meme of free agency so far. All I keep seeing is you, you told Dane you'd get him help, and these are the heroes you brought, and it's Macklemore, Snell, and Zeller. And I don't know why. I just, I find those memes hilarious. Once again, on their own, they're fine. Tony Snell has been a good 3 and D guy. Um, he actually helped the Bucks out a lot. I think he was on the Hawks last year, though, so that was a weird reference. Anyway, Ben Macklemore was great on the Rockets a few years ago when Harden was still there, so take that for what you will. And then, Connor, I'm assuming from watching Hornets games, you can attest this as well. Cody Zeller is a fine center. I don't think he's a championship center, but he's a fine center. Um, No, he's a bench center. (laughs) I guess that's that's I mean, if you have a good center, he's playing the bench. Yes, that's the he 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 should be backing up Yusuf Nurkic. However, they want to trade Nurkic because he's on the final year of his deal, and he already said I ain't coming back. So in theory, if they don't get another center back, Cody Zeller will be the starting center, which is not good. But if he's your backup center, I would think that's pretty good. Okay, so we're gonna move on to San Antonio because all that Sacramento did was sign Mo Harkless, and um, <laughs> what San Antonio did. Um, of course, they traded DeMar DeRozan and got back those veterans, Thaddeus Young, Alfred Camino. They brought back Bryn Forbes, who just won a championship with the Bucks. They now have their three-point sniper back. They brought in Zach Collins, who is a young player who came from the Trailblazers, who has been good when he plays. But he's another guy who gets injured way too much. People may remember him from when the Trailblazers made the Western Conference Finals. That was like the one year when he was actually healthy, and then he gets injured in the Western Conference Finals. Poor guy. Um, So this could be interesting because, as most people probably know, San Antonio has one of the best development staffs in basketball. So maybe if he can stay healthy, Zach Collins could actually be something. And then the last one worth mentioning is that they brought in Doug McDermott, who is like the most stereotypical Spurs player. It's not even funny. Um, So long story short, um, the San Antonio Spurs are definitely entering full rebuild. Uh, that is the point they're at. Greg Popovich will be retiring soon. Um, Becky Hammond is supposed to take over. I'm sure that she'll do fine. She's been training under Popovich for years now. And yeah, there you go. The era of the Spurs that we've known and loved for the past 20 years is just done. It's just over. It's sad. Okay, moving into the Toronto Raptors. As I mentioned earlier, they got Goran Dragic and Precious Achua in the Kyle Lowry trade. This is very interesting because most people are predicting that Goran's going to be either rerouted now or at the trade deadline for something else. But he will be a great stopgap point guard. He has not fallen off. He will be very serviceable to just run the offense. And then the bigger piece to this is Precious Achua, who is only entering his second year. And he is an extremely athletic forward who, because of how the Heat system worked, he played a lot of center for them, backing up Bam. Because he can shoot, and because he moves so well and can defend very well, if he is developed properly by the Raptors, that could potentially be a very underrated pickup, given his potential. He showed amazing sparks, but of course he was just a rookie, and you never know when they're going to peak. Um, but I, I personally really like this move for the Raptors. They haven't had a, they don't have a solid center. Aaron Baines didn't work out. Ironically, they ended up just cutting him now. Um, and 
Chris Boucher was not going to start for them at center. So now they have Precious. And because they have Precious and because he could potentially be playing forward in this weird rotation, I'm going to double down on what I said in the last podcast in that I can't help but feel like Masai Ujiri is gearing up to trade Pascal Siakam. All he's done is strengthen the role that Pascal plays. So I can't help but feel like if the right offer comes along, of course, that Pascal is going to get traded like the trade deadline or something. Because they're one of those teams now that's like borderlining on we're going to rebuild, but we also have good enough players to compete. Oh, what do we do? And they're going to be back in Toronto next year, so maybe things will be different. But I can't help but feel like Pascal, at least there's the opportunity now to where he could be gone and they would st- and they would not miss him, if that makes sense. They have players to fill his role. All right, moving on to the Utah Jazz, the team who had the best um, the best record in the league last year. They made three moves. They brought in Hassan Whiteside, the block master himself, to back up Rudy Gobert. That's going to be great because now teams used to think, oh, my God, Gobert's got to rest eventually. When he's off the floor, we can actually drive the lane, right? Nope. Hassan Whiteside's in there now. And even though he's not going to play that much, whenever Rudy's out, you will still not be able to drive the lane. Then they brought in Rudy Gay, wonderful veteran who's going to give them some scoring off the bench. I highly doubt he starts. That is just a great pickup uh, that kind of came out of nowhere. I had no idea that Rudy Gay was even going to consider the Jazz. The Jazz aren't really a destination for anyone. players like that. <laughs> yeah, for anyone. Um, and then the one that just happened yesterday that also came out of nowhere. Golden State traded Eric Pascal to the Jazz for a second round pick. This was a money move so that way the Warriors could get under the luxury tax. But Eric Pascal, throughout all of the Warriors' past two years of hell with Clay Thompson's injury, Steph's injury, Wiggins playing Wiggins is really the best way to say it. Pascal has been a consistently good young player. And I understand that the Warriors were going to try and move young guys to get pieces to compete now. But you got a second-round pick. For Eric Pascal, when you probably could have gotten more in a package with some other players or whatnot, this move just literally makes no sense to me. And I feel like if the Jazz handle him right, of course, because you have no idea how the development staff's going to be, that's going to be a great power forward for them in the future. That I'm just going to say that right now. All right, time to get to the final team of the podcast, the Washington Wizards, who made some very fun moves this offseason. First, as we already covered, they traded for Kuzma, KCP, and Montrez Harrell by trading away Russell Westbrook. We brought back Raul Nato, and I think that's it. No! Oh my god! I'm sorry, that was bad. I don't even know why I tried to be weird with it. The trade that just happened, we traded for Spencer Dinwiddie. In doing so, so this, in order for the money to work, it got lumped into a five-team deal that involved Aaron Holiday, Isaiah Todd, Chandler Hutchison, a bunch of other people, some picks. It was crazy. I won't drown everybody else with that. But the Wizards got Spencer Dinwiddie, who is coming off of an injury, so we have no idea if he's going to be the same player as he was. But before Kyrie, <laughs> Katie, Kyrie, and James Harden got to the Nets, Spencer Dinwiddie was the leader of that team. He was the star of that team. He led them to the playoffs. 
He is a 6'5 point guard who can defend his butt off and defend multiple positions and also is an amazing scorer. So, in theory, I, I still feel like Tommy Shepard should probably attempt to trade Bradley Beal and just embrace the rebuild. But if they are going to compete, Spencer Didwitty was a great pickup. He will be great next to Bradley Beal. Kyle Kuzma believes he's an all-star. I don't know if I believe that, but I hope I'm proven wrong. And Kyle Kuzma has been calling it a big three that the East should watch out for. <laughs> um, but it is worth noting that the East, the bottom of the East in the playoff bracket is essentially wide open at this point. The Bulls, we're a bad team that are now going to make a push. The Wizards, we're a bad team that are now going to make a push. Um, you can make an argument that the Pacers were never really bad. They were just injured, and they're going to make a push. Uh, the Hornets should probably come back just as strong as they were last year. It should be very interesting to finally have an East that's competitive throughout. Everybody makes fun of the East for just being top-heavy. So um, should be interesting moving forward, but that's... Yeah, that is the free agency recap. Um, Connor, did you have anything that you wanted to say before I move on to the next part? This means nothing. It'll still end up being Lakers, Nets, Bucks, the usuals, in my See, opinion. Connor's a realist. I'm hopeful that we'll get someone new. But it's your, gonna be your play-in teams are probably going to change. Your maybe you know teams who go later into the playoffs, but your solid teams or solid players at least, are still probably going to be there. One or two might fall. But overall, it's probably not going to change that much. Yep. I mean, I, I, I agree with you, Connor. As a, as a fan, I hope it's new people. But if injuries did not exist at all, it's Lakers-Nets. I, I find it very hard to, to think right now that it won't be, of course, in a, I don't want to say in a perfect world, but like in an, in an injury-free realm. I guess this past year, you know, people probably didn't think the Suns and the Suns were in the play or the finals. So, you know, that might still happen. But overall, you know, one yeah. of the top three, three, three teams will most likely be in it. Yes. Uh, yes. There, there, there will be people that will try and convince themselves otherwise. But the even the sports betters right now, just like how last year it was Clippers, Lakers, Nets. Ironically, I actually think it was the Bucks, but it might have been the Sixers. Um, this year, it's it's still again Lakers, Nets. Uh, they they have not released the other stuff. I, I want to say third was actually the Warriors because everybody's coming back from injury. But who trusts the betters? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like in baseball. Uh, are the Cardinals in the playoffs? Well, yeah, probably. Are the Spurs going to be in the playoffs? Well, probably. They're probably going to be close. Are the Lakers? Yes. Celtics? Yes. Nets? Now, at who they have, probably, yeah. That That's what makes it so sad. I would be very shocked if the Spurs make the playoffs, even the play-in next year. They're, it's going to be... It's, it's Last year was the first year, and I believe they said 22, 23. It was, it was a 20-something. They had a 20, I'll just say two, season-long record of making the playoffs every season and last year was the first year that didn't happen very sad i mean yeah i would still take the chances on going 23 out of 24 (laughs) i would still take those chances that's true this is popovich it doesn't matter if they don't have a star they'll make it work exactly (laughs) um 
So the last part I just wanted to cover really quick was the free big free agents that are still left. Of course, I already mentioned Kawhi Leonard. I know he's meeting with the Clippers. That's about it. They're the only team that still has money available. I mean, sorry, the Mavericks. They're the only team that really still has money available. I doubt he's going to pick them. Most other people doubt he's going to pick them, so he's probably going to be a Clipper. Dennis Schroeder is going to be next. He's the best point guard still available. He really wants 100 to $120 million in his contract, and considering what the other point guards have been getting, he's not going to get that. Everybody's curious to see, A, how much lower he gets, and B, where he ends up going. He turned down an $80 million contract extension from the Lakers because he wanted that 100 to $120 million. So it's going to be very funny if he ends up not getting, or if he ends up getting less than 80 Next after that is going to be Kelly Oubre, who the Warriors traded for last year once Clay got injured again. <laughs> and he did help. Kind of, but he also didn't really fit in their scheme. And he's like a good shooter. And that's about it on the offensive side. I shouldn't just say that's about it. He can like create his own shot. He can dribble well. He has good handles, is what I should say. That's I don't know, it's weird. Somebody's going to like him, but there's a reason why he's still left out there with everybody else being signed. Next is Reggie Jackson, who's one who I'm surprised is still available. He made the most three-pointers in the playoffs last year. He also shot the best from three in the playoffs last year and was a big reason why the Clippers were in the Western Conference Finals. Obviously, they had help. But Reggie Jackson had multiple 30-point nights plus. And last year's an anomaly year, so maybe people just don't think he can replicate that. I don't think he'll replicate it as well, but I still think he will be a very solid point guard. I've always thought Reggie Jackson was a very solid point guard, but people were really sleeping on him, and then the Clippers didn't, and then they reaped the benefits. So I'm very curious to see where he goes. It Apparently, him and the Clippers are still working on an extension, but he wants more money than the Clippers are willing to give. So he might just budge if he doesn't get any other offers, or he could be the starting point guard on like a crappy team that just paid him what he wanted. I don't know. And then... Last but not least is Lowry Markkinen, who I mentioned earlier, but I wanted to to give a little more love to at this point. He was a... So, as I mentioned earlier, Carney Chauvas is the new GM for the Bulls. They did not draft... He did not draft Lowry Markkinen in general when the regime changes. Players who were drafted by the old regime end up being on the out. Um, because that team that drafted him wasn't wasn't there. They didn't fall in love with the player like the previous ones did. Lowry wants upwards of 20 mil, and he's clearly going to be their bench guy, so that doesn't work for them. So either he takes the qualifying offer and just plays next year and then becomes a free agent and goes wherever, and I guess maybe does better with much more cap space to go around next season, next offseason, or they work out some sort of sign-in trade. The... Spurs were rumored to be heavily interested in Lowry, and but he wanted too much money, so they settled for Zach Collins. I wouldn't say Zach Collins is a mini Lowry because I don't think Zach Collins is good of a shooter. However, Zach Collins is more athletic than Lowry, if that makes any sense. But Lowry is also seven feet, so he, in theory, has more defensive potential, even though it hasn't been realized yet. I don't know why I'm comparing him to Zach Collins, but... Um, so yeah, it is kind of interesting because Lowry's a seven-footer who has Kristaps Porzingis disease in that he should be a good defender, but no one's been able to train him how to do defense yet. And instead of allowing him to do what he does well, the coaches just stick him in the corner and say, use your height to shoot threes, 
which he can shoot threes okay, but he's better than that. And so in moments when he's been able to show his sparks, he is good. But it's like he's one of those guys that I feel like will do very well in a new system is the moral of the story. Um, no idea where he's going to go. So that's the – yeah, that that's it. That's the free agency recap. Um, of course, there are a bunch of veterans in free agency who will end up signing somewhere. That always happens at the end when people – try to fill out the end of their, the end of their rosters. Um, do you have any closing thoughts, Connor? Nah, I think I've said everything I want to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, this was a lot of fun for me. <laughs> Hopefully it was fun for you. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, I thank you all for listening. Uh, please feel free to have a discussion in the comments, talk about your favorite team. Talk about some signings, some moves, whatever. And I uh, look forward to uh, talking with y'all. And I hope to see y'all in the next one. Please leave a like and subscribe. There's just.